shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dan Lopez podcast. Dan Lopez podcast. That's what's going on right now. Dan Lopez podcast. The Ann Lopez podcast is going on right now. I'm sorry. I'm amped up today for some reason. I am really amped up today. Hello and welcome to anybody and everybody that is listening. Today is a day. I'm not going to specify what day it is because it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter what day it is. It never matters what day it is. Sorry for that shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't have a guest in... I don't have a guest in here, as uh, you can tell, and I have fucking set my settings up wrong, so I'm hearing some crazy fucking reverb in my ears. Let me change that. I don't know if I can change it while I'm recording, and that's a fucking bummer. Oh, I'm going to have to go through this whole fucking thing with this on. Ouch, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can just change it right here in the settings. Uh, not not getting it. Not oh no. Boom. Maybe I don't. I don't know. There we go. Something I can handle. Nope. I can't. I can't handle this. I'll be right fucking back really quick. Okay. So I fixed it, and now I sound a lot better in my fucking headphones, and I'm not gonna drive myself crazy. Trying to make an episode by myself where I just got to talk about me. These episodes, these alone in the office episodes, are my selfish episodes where I like to talk about me. Things I do and things I think about. Me, 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 me. How terrible does that sound? How fucking annoying does that sound? How pissed would you be if someone was just always about themselves like that? It's like, well, this is always about me. Yeah, I could do that for like another 10 minutes just saying, it's all about me. But I don't think anybody would ever want to fucking listen to me do that for uh, what? what, is, what, what uh, I don't know how long I'm going to do this episode for. So... I figured I would just talk about what's going on. Lots going on. I flew to California and I flew back. And that was cool. I now I didn't fly back. I just lied. I did. I drove back with the homie. And the homie's going to be on the podcast soon. So I'm going to have some guests soon. Some more guests soon. My schedules are fucked. Everything's fucked. It's all gravy, though. Everything's golden. Ah. I felt like shit yesterday. I feel a lot better today. All right, 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 all right. I feel a lot better today. I'm really hyper right now. I don't know why. Had a good lunch. And maybe I'm just burning off that and using it in my creative energies or something like that, huh? Huh? Have you left yet? Are you still here? Are you listening? Okay, cool. I'm glad. I'm I'm going to be obnoxiously hyper today in this episode. 
Obnoxiously Hyper, sponsored by... I don't have any fucking sponsors. No one wants to sponsor this show. The few people that listen to this show, thank you. I appreciate it a lot. You helped me get through the day just thinking about you listening to my songs. I'm sorry, this is more of an attitude that I have in my other podcast. If you're familiar with it, Let the Freak Speak, shameless plug. Because like I said, this episode's about me. Yeah, I carry this kind of attitude more for Let the Freak Speak. I don't usually have like this hyper-obnoxious attitude because usually I'm interviewing someone. And when I'm interviewing someone... I just want to learn about this person. I have questions that I write out for them, and I'm fucking asking them these questions because I want to know about these things. You know, I really am curious about them. I want to learn more about the people I interview. So that is that. But sometimes I'm forced to do selfish episodes where I got to talk about me and the things I'm doing just to kill some time and make some content. Because guess what? You got to keep pushing that content. And when you don't got guests, sometimes you just got to sit behind the microphone by yourself. And hey, sometimes it fucking sucks. Because I was just working fucking a little bit ago. I was working in here. And we had, you know, the host of another show we do in here. In here and he freaked the fuck out. He was yelling at someone. He kicked someone out. It was fucking crazy, you know. Uh, that, that show is called, uh, Rick Daniel, Forced to Tell All. Those are, those episodes are on YouTube on, I think they're also on Spotify. I believe they're on YouTube and Spotify and, uh, Transistor.fm. You can find them on the 85631 YouTube page. That's 85SIX31 YouTube page. Okay, that's enough of shamelessly shaming myself by shaming shames sham 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 this is a piece of sham okay uh i have in front of me which no one can see because this is a podcast and i don't have video yet i mean i have the camera i probably can do it i just don't I haven't had that urge to set everything up yet. I mean, it'd probably be a lot better for my solo episodes if you just saw me talking to a camera and I'm holding up things and I'm showing you cool-ass shit. Maybe I should. Maybe I should bust out the camera right now and do that. But do I want to? Not really. I'm going to just do a podcast episode because, hey, people listen. You know, you don't always have to see things. You know, use your imagination sometimes, people. It's good for you. Eventually, the video will come. But I'm not at that point yet. I don't think I'm at that point. Maybe after 20 episodes. After 20 episodes, I'll hop on the train of making my podcasts with videos. But I want to get that that 20 episodes under the belt. Because then I'll feel ready ready. Ready, ready, of some kind. Anyway, in front of me, I have... A copy of my book. Yes, I wrote a book. It's a poem book. Yeah, oh, a poem book? Oh, that's so cute. What is it, full of love poems? What are you telling someone you love them with your poetry? No, these are just a bunch of different poems. This is called, my 
first book that I've published through a company called Lulu, not like Lulu Lemon, because there's no lemon at the end of it. It's just, I think it's lulu.com or .org. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sponsored by them, so I'm not going to fucking even... It just you, you. If you really want to publish your own book, you can find them. Just type in Lulu Book Publishing. You know, I'm not sponsored by them, but hey, I'm just letting any writer out there that listens to this, if any writers out there listen to this, that that's a website you can go and get copies of your own book. You know, they're not bad. You know, I... I got like 25 or something, and I try to get rid of them. Um, you can also just have it to where people can go onto that website and purchase that, and then they'll just mail them the, their one copy, and you won't have to take care of the mailing if you want that kind of thing. You can also get um, ISBN numbers on the back, you know, like barcodes and shit, if you ever want to, like, go to stores and be like, hey... I'm a writer, I just wrote this book, maybe you guys would like to sell it here, um, I can give you guys like so many or whatever, you can do that, you can you can get a fucking barcode on the back of it so people can log it into their, to their stores and stuff, I did not do that because, you know, this is just a poem book that I kind of wanted to keep to whoever buys it, you can buy it, and, um, you know, you know, I don't want to make it like, Something where I overwhelm myself with too much and then I can't get rid of it. I just, this was a small poem book of what, how many pages are in this? I have like 85 pages. And, um, you know, it's just a collection of poems that I've been writing over the years. Um, I got really into writing poems whenever I got my first typewriter. My first typewriter was this really interesting Smith Corona. It was an electric one. It was I don't I'm not sure the year on it, but it was very it was like very it was like a very new typewriter. You know, I had to plug it in. Um it was all electric, you know, there was no sliding carriage on it. It was just like this ink cartridge with like it was just I don't know. I can't describe it and I'm sure some of you don't really care to listen to about this cool, cool ass typewriter that I had, but guess what? I'm gonna fucking keep on keeping on with it. So, anyway, so anyway, that's the another another. So anyway, how many so anyways is this fucking guy gonna say, huh? That's what you're wondering. God, I'm talking about my book, and you're wondering about how many, whatever the fucks I was saying. Fuck, dude. Fucking fuck. Sorry for being profane if you're listening, Mom and Dad. <laughs> I'm sorry, I told you I've got this obnoxious energy today. And I don't know, I just feel good. I felt like shit yesterday, and I'm making up for it today by feeling really good and being productive. Doing stuff, working, talking in front of this microphone. <laughs> um, so this poem book is called Nothing No One Colon. No, there's, no, it's, there's a colon, you know, not like a butthole. But like the two dots, like before you do a smiley face in a text message. <laughs> so my poem book is called Nothing No One Miscellaneous Poems. It is a collection of poems that I've wrote written over the I've written them over the years. No, I it's a collection of poems that I've written over the years. And I, I've I've selected a few poems that I I'm probably gonna read you guys if uh if you don't want to listen to me read you poetry that I've written, then get off of this fucking show. 
I'm sorry, but that's just how it fucking goes, okay? I told you. I said it before. I'm not going to fucking say it again. Okay. Now that we're all on the same page, that's not a fucking book joke or pun. But now that we're all on the same page, now that the money issue is settled, that's a quote from a great movie, Grind. Um, now that we're all on the same page. Yeah, it's a collection of poems that I've written, and I got off topic with the typewriter and how I started writing. So yeah, I had this really nice typewriter, and you know it was really fucking cool. And I that's I got in the habit of sitting out on this balcony of the of an apartment me and my wife were living in, and I would sit out there all the time and just fucking write. And I loved it. I would the typewriter on my lap, and it was an interesting typewriter. It was it wasn't like though every time you click, it's gonna click. It I it had this little screen on the front of it, and you could like write out your line and then hit enter, and then it would type it all out. And that's what I did for, like, uh, a handful of poems, like, whenever I really started writing stuff. I took some poems that I had written, like, way back in the day, and, like, poems poems that I wrote online and my Facebook and stuff, you know? Like, they would pop up on my memories, and then I would, like, just screenshot it. And some of them were terrible, because it was just, like, I was an emotional high school kid. So some of... Some of the older ones, like 2014 and 15 or older, those ones are like super emotional and maybe dramatic. And yeah, the, those, those, those have emotions from a time whenever emotions stream through my body. And I really didn't understand how to cope with it. But, um, so I would write those poems and stuff. I would rewrite those, and I would just write poems. And I really loved it. I was just like, I'm kind of set on writing a book of poems now. So I wanted to... And it was just cool to like see the stack of poems just collect. Because, you know, it wasn't just like they were saved on a computer. It was like I was typing them, and then I would pick them up, and I would read them. And I, I, I just really liked that feeling of being able to hold this piece of work that I just created. And, you know... I get it. It's not really the fucking most environmentally friendly environmentally friendly thing to fucking have a fuckload of paper. But, you know, hopefully in the future they find better ways than chopping down trees to make fucking paper. Maybe, what, hemp paper? That'd be a great idea because we need trees to fucking live, bro. Anyway, that's off topic. So I would write these poems and stuff, and then that fucking typewriter shit out on me. Like the um, ink tray that would like slide back and forth to type the stuff, like fucking broke. And like every time I would turn it on, it would just slide. And I turned it on recently because I was just like, maybe, just maybe it works. And then I started typing with it and it got fucked up again. Didn't work at all. So I wrote some poems with um, that typewriter. It was my very first typewriter I ever got that worked. Um, the first typewriter I ever was given was just this really nice Smith Corona. Well, I wouldn't say it's really nice because it doesn't work. And it's just one of my, un- I have like three unfunctioning typewriters now. But, um, bum, <laughs> that was the first typewriter I ever got. But the first working typewriter was that electric Smith Corona and I loved it to fucking death and I used it until I broke it. So now it's just a collector's item in my closet right now. 
Um, I think after that, I acquired this. I acquired this other Smith Corona, uh, probably like a. I think maybe an '80s model. I believe, maybe '70s electric, but um, it's this blue Smith Corona. I picked it up. You know, I found it somewhere. I think someone told me about it. I think my friend Andy told me about it, and I went and got it. Because I just needed a new typewriter to write in. Because I did not, I don't like writing poems stationary anymore, like with a pen and and paper. Uh, sometimes I do because sometimes I'm just lazy and I don't like pulling my typewriter out and writing a poem with it like that. But I got that typewriter because I knew that if I didn't get another typewriter, I wasn't going to, um, I wasn't going to finish this book and I wasn't going to make more poems and I was going to get lazy and I was going to let the thought and project die. So I got a new typewriter with the hint from a friend where it was. It was at a Goodwill. It was like 10 bucks, And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, it's a great, it's a nice typewriter. still works. I don't really use it much. Probably should turn it on and use the ink before it dries up. But really nice typewriter. I love it. And it's just fucking, it's heavy. It's a really heavy typewriter. I, and then I finished, I finished writing... I think I finished writing majority of the poems with that typewriter. So I think every every poem in this book was written or rewritten on a Smith Corona typewriter. And then and then I would I I would just transfer it to um and then I would just type it up on my computer, you know, to to do it digitally so I can send it in and stuff to get printed. But, um, you know, having that copy and a stack of papers, you know, I was able to go through and, like, arrange it how I wanted this book to look. You know, I had these physical copies in my hand. I had, like, over 100 poems, and I narrowed it down to 85. I have a book of reject... I have a group of rejected ones. And I was thinking maybe later on in life, I'll release a second edition of this book and have the rejected ones in the back as, like, a bonus one. So maybe the people that got this first book can look at it and just be like, well, these were the poems that didn't make the first one, and now here they are. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. This world we're living in. I am super hyper and energetic. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining because I don't really feel like this all the time, and I feel great. But, 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 but. I finished writing all those poems and then I there's you know there's a there's a handful of mistakes in it there's some grammatical errors misused words I had someone read over it and edit it but they apparently missed a lot of stuff or I used the wrong file when uploading it either way you know I hope it doesn't take away if you ever read the poems you know I think you can get digitally Two through transistor, I mean, sorry, not transistor, through Lulu. Um, I think you can buy yourself a digital copy of my book. I because of the grammatical errors, I don't want it to, because the, there's options on this website to set it to um, to where you can purchase it through like Barnes and Noble online and um, Amazon. But because of the mistakes in it, I felt I, I'm like weary of it, so. I don't want to do that, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna push this poem book as hard as I really wanted to. I promoted it for a while, 
And, you know, I stopped the promotion because I'm always trying to promote something I'm doing. And I just, you know, sometimes it gets annoying trying to promote the same thing. And I know I hate seeing the same thing over and over again. But, uh, that's about the poem book and how it all came to be. I'll tell you a little bit more about my typewriter collection because that's just how this episode is going to go down. I have about six typewriters, three unfunctionable and three that function. I think I might have a fourth functioning one coming my way if I get lucky. Might have to pay someone. But collecting these typewriters is interesting because... I have to. I, I go to a lot of. I have to go to like a lot of used, or like thrift stores and like used goods stores because you know who the fuck uses typewriters nowadays. And sometimes when I'm buying them, like I I went and I bought this. Um, I bought this Smith Corona Electric Four, and it's like um, it's like one of like the first version models of electric typewriters. So it really. It has a motor and everything, and I think it's just so you don't have to press on the keys as hard to get the fucking ink on the page. But, you know, I still have to... You, it's like, it's barely an electric typewriter. It only... It, the only thing it really does is just power the keys because you still have to slide it. You still have to slide the carriage over whenever you get to the end of the page, which is cool because, like, that's the idea. That's like, that's... I grew up seeing like that as a type, like on typewriters, it would always be like the ding, 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 and I fucking love that sound, and it's cool as fuck to do that. Um, one of my favorite typewriters I got, I actually traded. So I had a, I had a, I had been given a set of golf clubs from, I think they were like one of my older brothers. They were my older brother's um, set of golf clubs. My dad gave them to me because. You know, he didn't use them. He didn't want them and stuff. So I, I was just like, okay. They were sitting in my room and stuff. And I went to this thrift store, like, down the street from my house. And I saw this typewriter. And I was like, fuck. I want it. I'm going to get it. And I heard, I overheard a lady saying that they accept donations. And they give a coupon for whenever, like, you, you get, like, 20% or 40% off of an item whenever you donate something. So I donated, like, two lamps, a mirror. No, that was a different time. That was a different time. I donated my golf clubs, and I got I bought, I bought got this typewriter for, like, 30 bucks. They wanted, like, 40, I think I got. Maybe it's 10%. Either way, I, I got it for, like, 30. I got this Grant's um, 737 Deluxe for fucking 30 bucks. It was a good price, and... Oh my goodness. I love this typewriter the most probably out of all of my typewriters. It's it's the one that's a brand that you don't really hear about. Like for me, I don't at least I'm not deep in the typewriter community. How fucking bored do you sound? Are you, huh? If you're bored, switch over to something more interesting, okay? I'm talking about typewriters right now. And then I'll get to my poems. I'll read you a few poems and I'll give you a little bit of insight about what I was writing about at the time. And that's one thing I love about those poems is that they help me remember times in my life. Anyway, back to my typewriter collection. Oh yeah, back to my typewriter collection. I'll, it's it's going to be over soon. I only got fucking six right now. 
the manual typewriter is the one I love the most. I don't have to plug it into a wall. I can write with it anywhere. I can take it where, you know, it's not heavy. It's super slim. And uh, I, I just like it, you know. The case is just a shell over the top of it, and then it clicks to the bottom and stuff, so, you know, it's easy to carry around. So that's my favorite typewriter, and I'm working on a new set of poems. I've been trying to use the three functioning typewriters, so I have a mixed variation of what these poems were written on. Probably not going to be even mentioned in the poem book, but hey, it's more of like a thing for me, I guess. Anyway, back to the back to the poetry book, the book of poetry. I start the poem book with someone else's poem. Someone else that I know. My best friend, Nefren Haro. Actually, I lied. I start the poem, or more, I start the book more with like a poem for me. It's just kind of an introduction to nothing, no one. And I guess I could give you that so you have a little bit more of an understanding. Actually, let me read you the back of my the back of the co- the back of the book so that you understand you like you get the short version of what it is nothing no one is a three-part set of poems the poems cover a range of topics from death nostalgia and trying to find the bright side of life oh yeah you heard that right it's a little bit dark now huh it's not love poems yeah it's not love poems because that's not what I use poetry for. I use poetry for encapsulating times that I don't really feel well. And I understood that. So, I, you know, I encapsulate some good times too. And that's why it's like trying to find the bright side of life. Because they don't, they're not necessarily like, oh, today was a beautiful day and the clouds shined and sun and I prayed to God. Blah, blah, blah. They're not like that. It's... Some of them don't even sound happy, but it's like still a brighter sense to me. You know, it's like still a brighter concept than these really dark ones and painful ones. These ones have like this lighter touch to it, you know. And that's the back of the book, everybody. And I'm going to read you 85 pages of poems. No, I'm not going to. They're not super long. One of them is kind of long and it's drawn out. But whenever I tell you about it, you'll be like, well, fuck, that's fucking crazy. Okay, let's get back to it. Like I said, one of the first poems, more of an introduction poem, was written by my best friend, Efren Haro. If you don't know who that is, you can listen to his episode. It's, I think it's, I believe it's episode two of this podcast maybe episode three it's somewhere up there you can listen to it find out who he is in our relationship together if you really want just scroll down on the available episodes it's just like and you're there Efren Haro drummer of toilet sucker for the sour oh and he's that one guy from Los Lenny's Locos anyway we'll have him back in here to talk about that shit so let me read you his poem so you can maybe understand him no, I I shouldn't. I shouldn't read it because I can't tell you what it really means. I can only tell you what I feel that it means because I didn't write it. 
But I'll fucking read it because it's good, and that's why I put it at the beginning of this poem book. If I were to look into a blank sky in search of faith, clarity, a moral of life, I look towards the light in which burns my eye. They claim to have answers. I feel strife. There isn't a reason for argument. We kill and fight when no one is right. We are clueless. No reason to repent. We can think rationally. That day will be a sight. The coordinates of the rock led to growth, while the burning sphere of gas brought hope. And then the beautiful creatures of oath. But if you asked your priest, he'd say nope. Oh, the mysterious vacuum of black. Tell me, when will you get your color back? That is a poem, like I said, written by my best friend. I love that poem a lot. Very thought-provoking to me. Hopefully I read it nicely. That poem is called, very, get ready for this very long title. If a rhetorical question is a question that shouldn't be answered, then a rhetorical answer is an answer that should not be questioned. All right. I think we're off to a beautiful start. Part one. I'm going to read all 89 chapters to... <laughs> 89 chapters? Fuck, I wish. Ha, 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 ha. I wish. I wish I could write 89 chapters of one poem book. Wouldn't you be so proud of me? You'd be like, oh, Nathaniel wrote 89 chapters of poems? Guess I'm going to have to read them all in pig Latin, huh? Okay, the first poem that I decided to pick is one that is painful because I said, like I said, this is a book that is full of darker poems, not really joyous ones. And I know you, you think, like, well, why the fuck would I want to read a poem book that's dark? Why the fuck would I even want to read in the first place? Well, hey, you know, reading's not dead, bro. It doesn't have to be. You can fucking pick up a book sometimes. You don't have to be stupid. You don't have to only watch TV. Fucking read a book sometimes. God, it's good for your fucking head. Oh, and if you do read books, that's awesome. You're cool in my book. Ha ha, ha ha, I wish I could write 89 chapters. Okay, so the first poem that I... This I'm going to read to you. That's mine. The first poem that I'm going to read to you. That's mine. At the end of this class era. So this song is. This is not a song. This is not a song. And I caught myself right now saying one of the very few lines that I say whenever toilet performs. Between song or before the next song, I say I'll be like this song is called this. Sometimes, sometimes I don't even say the song name. But this isn't a song. This is a poem. And this is a poem called, Where's the Class Clown Now? I'll give you a little bit of insight behind it afterwards. The funniest of them all took the leap, missed, only to fall. Broke the hollow floor to find a burning corridor. Blistered by heat more than once, finally free. Learned to keep away campfires, the brightness of day. Stay locked away, play it safe. Self-deprivation, personal inebriation, suffocation. Dark, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that is a poem that I wrote about an old friend of mine. 
Don't really see him much ever, if any. The last time I encountered him was rather just too much. Uh, it was made me sad. It hurt. And it was just tough to watch someone like not take care of themselves and just let themselves become something that they had so much more potential to be better than. And, you know, whenever that happens, you just live life. And you, sometimes you just have to let people go. And I think I've been on the end of being let go of being a friend. But that's just how friendship is. You know, some friendships last, some friendships don't last. And that's just life, you know. You, you, you outgrow people. Sometimes people don't change. You know, you find other people you'd rather hang out with. Um, you lose touch. You just don't like them. Maybe they haven't grown. Maybe you haven't grown. You know, people change. And you may not have friends for, like, you know, friendship, like not all friendships are meant to last. Some friendships do. Some friendships last for ages. Sometimes that friendship ends kind of, but it, it's not like it ends. Sometimes you just, you know, you say what's up to them when you see them and you're like, oh, it's nice to see you, but you don't hit them up and you're not like that kind of friend anymore. But this one is, this poem's about a friend who just fucking was not taking care of himself. And the last time we hung out, it was tough. It hurt. And he was not of sound mind. And the last, like, handful of times that I ever saw him, that we hung out, he was not of sound mind. And, you know... That just, it was just too much, maybe, and his attitudes were changing. Maybe we were just growing. I don't know. That's how I felt, that we were all just growing away from that kind of lifestyle, and this guy was indulging himself in it too much. But that's just, you know, like I said, some people never grow up. Some people grow up. Some people grow up in different sense. And you just move on. You have those memories and a poem. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Here's the one that I said was somewhat long. And then you can get some insight on it after I read it. I've already fucking said it. Okay, cool. This is titled, A Nervous Man with a fear of God in his eyes. The frantic jitter of eyes shifting faster than ever, a paranoid man in a crowded area, eyes red from who knows what. He's talking to his inner self and as he sits on a bench, watching people around. Does he trust them? This is my question. By his looks and unorthodox body movements, I'm going with no trust. He gets up and moves in confusion, looking around for a place to put himself among the busy bodies, mumbling while walking back and forth. 
He walks up to someone and digs through his pocket. A small plastic ring is placed in his hand. His arm extends to the tall man in front of him. The tall guy is even more confused than the confused guy. He's still going back and forth, except now his eyes have become fixed on me. The bloodshot eyes scan over me, and I can see his brain running like an engine in desperate need of oil. He's back in his seat, the bench staring at me with some sort of passion. It makes me uneasy. I try to take my eyes off of him, but his body movements scream. Look at me. You'll never guess what's next. He stands up and makes his way towards me. I tense up. It's been a long time since I fought. He approaches me, handing me a bracelet, fishing his, flashing his bloodshot eyes up close and personal, revealing that he carried a fear of God. He disappeared into the crowd, leaving me consumed by thought. Now, some backstory on that one, huh? Huh? You want some backstory on that one? Because that one's a little bit crazy. Yeah, I wrote that while I was at work on a cash register. There was this character that would come in. I'm going to call him a character because he carried so much traits to him. He was very easy to describe because, you know, he was describing himself by being himself. And this was a guy that was always on drugs whenever he came in. And he told me he was on meth. And I think this guy might have had some problems. He would come in like multiple layers of clothing, women's clothing sometime. And I'm not saying that dressing in women's clothing is a problem. But like he'd be like, like have layers of clothing on, you know, like just a bunch of clothing on himself. And, you know, I know that he's, he was on drugs because he told me one time he was standing in someone else's line and that line was backed up and I think I was just standing there because I guess all those people had more than the amount that I was I probably at some like 20 items or less thing so all I hear is this loud crash and a light bulb it was I guess it was like light bulbs that broke someone dropped the fucking case of light bulbs so this guy comes through my line and he's just like looking crazy he's looking crazy as hell He's just very frantic, and, you know, he looks nervous because he's the one that dropped those light bulbs, and he starts talking to me. He's just like, how's it going, man? I was just like, hey, how's it going? I saw his eyes were red, so I thought he was probably stoned, so I was just like, hey, what's up? How's it going? You know, I was being really cool with him because I was usually really cool with people that were stoned unless they look like fucking dicks, and we're not talking to me. This guy's talking to me, and he's just... He's saying some crazy shit. I don't really remember exactly, but then I remember him saying, yeah, man, I don't even think I could... Oh, he told me, he's like, I don't think I'm going to do it for a long time. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I, the taste of G in my mouth just made, I, the, thought of, the thought of the taste of G in my mouth makes me sick. And I was just like, okay, crazy. And then he left. He bought, like, a candy, maybe something cheap. Um, but just booked it out of there. He would come in from time to time. He would always... He always looked worried, and he, like, every time, because he would ask to borrow our phone if he could make a phone call. Usually we'd say, yeah. But he came in, and he was just, like, he would always come up to me, because I guess he maybe, maybe he trusted me. But he would ask me, be like, hey, man, do you, do you think it's cool if I use your phone? 
And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, let me ask my manager. Because, you know, I don't have no fucking right to let anybody use a phone. <laughs> so I fucking, like, he would always come in like that. His eyes were always red. And sometimes he would tell me some crazy shit. He told me about, like, breaking, beating the shit out of someone's car because they supposedly worship the devil. And I was just like, oh, cool. You're scared of God. And that's where the title came from because I, I saw this fear of God in his eyes. And he was just worried like someone was coming after him or something or like his time was running out. And the poem, if you read it and you heard it, describes... Well, it describes a time, an experience I had where he was like sitting in this bench in front of the register that I was on. And he came up to me and he gave me like this bracelet that was like this crazy like metallic looking pinkish duct tape wrapped around it and I was fucking I remember like as he was sitting in front of me I started writing this poem because I was just like this is fucking freaking me out I don't know how to feel this about this and like there were always like those characters that would come into work and I would write about them like after if I wasn't busy usually because I don't work on a register now and when I did, I would see all these people that like struck my interest and they like really, they had like these really strong characteristics, even if they were shitty, because most of them were. And um, some people were cool. But uh, so I would just like pull some receipt paper out of the thing and then I would just start writing poems to kill time. Because sometimes it got fucking boring standing in the same spot for eight hours. It's a fucking shame. I think the stores that do like shifts, like, all right, you're going to do f- two hours up or like four hours up here and then four hours stocking the shelves. I'll be like, you got yourself a fucking deal there, buddy. Anyway, that's that's a little bit of backstory on uh, that poem. I've got two more for you. I don't want to rant too long and uh, fucking annoy your eardrums. So... I'll get to this one. And I think the way this one's laid out on the page is ironic to the content. (laughs) Uh, This is a poem, the first poem of part two. So what was part two? Let's read the back. Um, Topics from death and nostalgia. So this is more of a nostalgic poem. Ooh, that other poem wasn't about death, though. But I think a fear of God is a fear of dying, don't you? Don't you? Don't you think that a fear of God is fear of dying? If you're afraid to die, then you're going to fear God because you don't think about God. I don't know. I don't want to get... I don't care. Let's not talk about religion. That's not important on this podcast. Anyway, so this is a poem called Oh, How Their Glow Fades. The night is here, giving way to the jubilant souls of a town ill and damaged. They slither up the road, naturally knowing the way to go. The house of Hull, where they all roam, drunk in dismay, chaos in line with disarray. A place to forget the day, hide in a costumed persona, while pretending joy is always there. 
Times to plan half-hearted business ambitions. More drama than a soap opera with less resolve. That is a nostalgic poem that I wrote. I wrote that 2018. Okay. About a time that probably happened 2015, 16. Not so much. Like, not like I'm like, yeah, 20 years ago, uh, like I was doing this crazy stuff. No. This poem is about a time in my life where I was constantly partying. You know, I was going to, we were going to one of our friend's house, like, four times out of the week, almost every night, just drinking every night. None of us were 21 either, so that was the funny part about it. Like There were like a few 21-year-olds, and those were probably the people that were buying the alcohol or someone's parent. But we were partying in this house all the fucking time, and it was like everybody knew where, like the the crowd that hung out at the house, because it was like maybe a crowd of like 15 people, maybe a little bit less, maybe more on certain nights. It all just depended. It, um, you know, it's like everybody knew where to go. It was just like a daily thing. It was like, we'll, we'll slither up the road and we'll go to the place where we can feel whole. And we would just drink all the time. And I decided to title the poem, Oh, How Their Glow Fades, because it's a way, you know, of describing how I kind of got sick of living that life. I was tired of being, of like doing that every night because it was constantly like beer pong and drinking games. And after a while, you know, like the glow of like the fun of it, once you do it so much, just starts to fade away for some people. And it did for me, like, you know, I was drinking still and having a good time, but, you know, I think after everything came to an end... It was probably for the better because things started coming to an end because things were fading, you know, and that's what brought it to an end. And, you know, the glow fades, you know, on a lot of things. Everything eventually will die out or become dim, you know. Especially repetition. It loses its... It's touch, you know, it loses its meaning whenever things are too repetitive. You can't grow in repetition. And the glow will fade. So that's what that poem's about. All right, I've got one more for you. One more, and I'm trying not to end it on such a fucking bummer note, but it'll probably become that way because I'm just a fucking bummer, bro. Gal, dude, do that. Whatever you choose to go by, maybe I'll choose to call you it if I can get it right. Okay, one more poem. Class, class, one more poem, all right. And then you can fucking go to recess because I know you don't want to listen to these poems. Okay, we'll do it. We'll fucking get this over with, and I'll tell you all about it afterwards, like I said. And then I'll cut you loose for recess, kids. You can go play kickball, foursquare, tetherball, whatever you want to do. Play tag, chase each other around. I don't care. I'm not a teacher. Just reading my poems. (laughs) This one is out of part three, closer to the end, honestly. 
trying to find the bright side of life. I would chalk this up to nostalgia as well, but this is of a story that uh, this poem is a tale of an account that was told to me that happened whenever I was really, really young. So maybe you'll understand some of it, but this poem is called True Savior. Baby, don't cross the road. You're far too small and young. They won't see you. The one with the frost touch make you cold as a winter ghost. Baby, don't go running to the road. We can't see you that far. The cloaked one lurks in the unseen, snatch you like gold on the ground, take you places unknown. Baby, where have you gone? We don't see you here on the road. There's a dark horse riding full sprint, bone hands reaching down in want. You can't even see it, baby. You laugh and smile in ignorant bliss. Only one had the strength to save the baby from the cold touch. Look death in the face. You will take no one today. She became a glorious guiding light, forcing death to disappear into the faded forgotten. 2017, everybody. That's when I wrote that poem. And God, do I like mock myself whenever I pick up the pace after reading in such a stern, handsome voice. You're listening to the Ann Lopez podcast, and I'm here to tell you about this last poem that I read you. True Savior. Who's the true Savior? Not God, I'll tell you that. To me, that's not the true Savior. My true Savior, or the true Savior of this poem, was a beautiful woman that is no longer in my life. My Nanafina. This is a story of, like I said, a time, I guess I was a baby, and this is a story that I heard. I guess I was having a really bad day, you know, doing a lot of um, things that were getting me hurt as a kid, you know, just being a kid. And I was, I guess I wandered out into the road, and my Nana came out and picked me up. She grabbed me and saved me. And I think because she ran into the road, she stopped this car from coming that, you know, it was like a big truck. And, you know, that's pretty fucking crazy. It's pretty awesome because I would be fucking dead right now. You wouldn't be listening to this sweet fucking voice here. Yeah. So thank my Nanafina for fucking saving my life that day. She's an amazing woman. And she will forever be missed by me and all of the people that loved her. And like I said, I didn't want to end on such a fucking bum note. But hey, love lives. It really does. You know, the love you share. And as long as you make it known that you care and love, then yeah, love lives. Because you won't forget someone if you love that person. And if they leave, and you still love them when they leave, then you'll probably always love them. And that's how I'm going to end this podcast. Some fucking artist said it way back in the day, but that's the power of love. And someone else said, that's the power of Pine Saw, baby. But I'm not sponsored by Pine Saw. This is the N. Lopez Podcast. 
I have no sponsors. If anybody or everybody would love to sponsor me, then do it. I'm here. I'm sitting. I'm waiting. I'm a writer. I'm a musician. I'm a podcaster. I'm doing stuff. I'm trying my hardest. Look at me. Listen to my voice. Don't you hear how much I'm trying? God. <laughs> okay. I don't want to keep repeating it, and I'm not going to. You understand why I'm being how I am. This is the N. Lopez Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find more content or more information at facebook.com backslash 85SIX31Productions. Or you can follow us on Instagram at 85SIX31. That is our the 85631 Instagram page. You can find more information about the N. Lopez podcast, Let the Freaks Speak podcast, and Rick Daniel, Forced to Tell All, which is a very limited podcast series. I work on that one, and that one's very interesting. If you haven't, check it out. That's on um, YouTube and SoundCloud. I mean, not SoundCloud. It's on YouTube and Spotify and Transistor.fm. Thank you for listening once again. This is the Ann Lopez Podcast. I'm Nathaniel Lopez. Follow me on Instagram if you'd like at Lopez, L-O-P-E-Z, Nathaniel, N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L. That's me. Follow those accounts, please. All right. Thanks for listening. Hopefully I have some more guests soon. Oh, I'm play some music now. Peace out. Peace out.